Today I want to invite you to turn open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 90. If you use a Bible from the pews, it's on page 929. Now if you are just joining us, if you're relatively new to Orchard Hill, we began a year-long series called The Year of God. And it's throughout the year of 2024 that we are striving to get a better understanding of who our God is. Now one of the common themes we've discovered after every message is that we often have a way too small view of God. We like to fit God in a box. And I think part of the reason why that is the case is because our brains are about the size of a box. We like to understand God. But we simply can't. He expands our box. He blows our minds. We can't comprehend the totality of who our God is. But it's in this series that we're going to try. And so today I think we're going to find out a similar thing as we discuss the nature of God being eternal. So today, as I said, our Bible reading is going to come from Psalm chapter 90. We're going to read the first four verses. And this is attributed to Moses. This was a prayer that Moses said way back in the day. And this is what it says, verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this passage really highlights the difference between God and humanity, doesn't it? About humans, what does he say? In verse 3, says, we are mere mortals. If you continue reading on to verse 10, it tells us that we're lucky to live 70 or 80 years, but then we return back to dust. But about God in verse 2, did you catch what it said? It says, God, even before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And if you have your Bibles today, I want to encourage you to circle both times it says the word everlasting in verse 2. Circle it, underline it. Everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Now this word that is translated everlasting, it comes from the Hebrew word olam. And in most instances in the Old Testament, this word refers to a really, really, really long duration of time in reference to both antiquity, that is the things long ago, but also in reference to futurity, the things that lie ahead. And I think there's probably over a dozen different translations of this word, but in this case and in this context, it definitely refers to everlasting. It's translated everlasting. It's translated eternal. Now, if you were to read through the Old Testament, you'll see something that's kind of interesting, too. One of the names that is used for God is El Olam. El is God in Hebrew, Olam, everlasting. Who is our God? 
He's the everlasting God. That's who he is. He is the everlasting, eternal God. And so for the rest of the time in this message today, I want to look at four different realities that are related to El Olam. I want to look at four different realities about our everlasting God. And after each reality of God that we look at, we're going to spend some time asking in the question, why does this matter? The struggle with all of these attributes we've been looking at so far is it's so easy to put it in our head, to put it in our mind, to say, okay, I get this about God. But how does it affect our life? What difference does it make in our lives? So we are going to get rolling here. First reality about El Olam. El Olam is without beginning or end. Our everlasting God is without beginning and it is without end. What did we just sing about? What does Revelation tell us? Our God is the one who was, he's the God who is, and he is the God who is to come. God describes himself in Exodus chapter 3 as the ever-existing I am. If you read through the New Testament, God is described as the Alpha and the Omega. Alpha, the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega, the last letter of the Greek alphabet. God is saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last. And again, that is exactly who our God is. Now, in order to illustrate this truth, uh, we're going to use a rope. So Brock and Brody, if I can have you guys come up on the stage and help me. I feel like you can't talk about God being eternal without using a rope. Come on up here, guys. So this past week, I found a number of really long ropes at church, but they weren't long enough, so we tied them together. So if you guys, uh, you want to head that way, stretch it out, keep it going. I'll hold this in the middle. Wendy, I encourage them not to knock over instruments. But if it does happen, it happens. Keep her going, keep her going. One more knot. All right. Keep her going a little bit more. All right. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> Thank you, Brock. Thank you, Brody. Can we give them a big round of applause? All right. <laughs> so we have this rope here. And even though you saw the ends of the rope, I want you to pretend that this rope does not end. Like behind these doors, it just goes on and on and on and on for all eternity. This rope represents eternity. Eternity past. Eternity in the future. Well, this yellow spot right here, this represents time. And when I say time, I'm referring to the very beginning of the universe, the time of Adam and Eve, the time of dinosaurs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Israel, Jesus, Thomas Aquinas, present day, but it also includes all of time in the future, up until Jesus Christ returns again. So, everybody got me? Eternity past, the beginning of the universe to when Jesus comes again, eternity future. And what's crazy about this 
is it is really hard for our minds to comprehend eternity. But what does the biblical text say? What do we read today? Who is our God? It says, even before the mountains existed, even before the earth, the cosmos was formed from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And so people of God, our God that we worship, he was not created. He has eternally existed even before the existence of our universe, and he will continue to exist even past earth as we know it. Our God is eternal. He was not created. Now, that makes us ask the question, I get it in my mind, God is eternal, but why does this matter? How does this truth affect my life? And I think this truth matters a lot because this specific truth informs every foundational thought of our worldview. It provides the foundation of truth when it comes to every major question that we ask about ourselves. So when I say worldview, it's the lens by which we see the world. It refers to all those big worldview questions. Where did we come from? Who are we? What is our purpose? Why do we exist? What happens when we die? Who is God? Is there a God? So those are big worldview questions. And what I'm saying is the truth that God is eternal is a foundational truth that impacts how we answer every single one of those questions. One of the biggest questions that scientists and astrophysicists are striving to answer is, what is the origin of the universe? And I don't think anybody really has a, a, a nailed down idea of what it is. I mean, there's theories, there's hypotheses, um, there's guesses, there's thoughts. But as followers of Christ, when the world is searching for that answer, what is the origin of the universe? You and I can scream, it's El Olam. Everything is stemming from our everlasting, eternal God. I think some people here, I would say, might be a little skeptical of that. You might be asking the question, well, how can I wrap my mind around a supernatural being existing even before the creation of the universe? How can I wrap my mind around that? But I want to challenge your thinking today. Because something has to be eternal, doesn't it? Either God is eternal, everlasting, or the universe that we exist in is eternal and everlasting. And I think Scripture tells us that the universe is not eternal, it's not everlasting, but it came from our one true God. Now, I want you to think about this, and I'm going to lead us a few steps down a really depressing trail. Let's say we have the understanding there is no eternal God. We have that presupposition there is no God, uh, but the universe is eternal. Think about how that informs those big worldview questions. If you believe the universe is eternal and God is not, then where did we come from? 
then we'd be forced to answer that question by saying, we got really, 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 really lucky. Like the order of the universe, the beauty of earth, life began to form, and all of a sudden, billions of years later, we have life. We're really, really lucky. Let's go to the next worldview question. If there is no God and the universe is eternal and it didn't stem from God, then what is our purpose? Why do we exist? Do we have purpose? If I had to give an answer, I would say, let's live life for our 70 or 80 years that we have, Lord willing, and be as happy as we can be. Let's live for ourselves because in 70 or 80 years, it's done. Well, what happens after we die? Again, going with the understanding there is no eternal God, but the universe is itself eternal. Return to dust, cease to exist. Our life on earth didn't matter. And see, if we come with the understanding there is no eternal God, but our universe is eternal, we are here by chance, we don't really have a purpose on earth, and when our time on earth is done, we are done. No hope. Leads us down a depressing trail. But people of God, when we look at the complexity of the universe, when we look at the beauty of the universe, when we look at the goodness of creation, I think it screams there is an everlasting God behind the creator, creation of the universe. Romans 1, it's one of my favorite passages. It tells us God's eternal power can be clearly seen through the things that have been made. So when we are here and looking at the beautiful sunset and the complexity of biology and the complexity of our universe and astronomy, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. When we see those things, God's word tells us we are actually witnessing God's eternal power at work. El Olam, if he is eternal, it changes the way we think about everything. Let's ask those same worldview questions from a Christian perspective with the assumption that God is eternal and he created the universe. How does this impact the way we think? Well, where do we come from? We came from the everlasting, eternal God. What is our purpose? Luke, are you not behaving? <laughs> Come on. He usually sleeps during Bob's messages. So, I don't know. I don't know which is better. We, uh, bye Luke. <laughs> uh, what was I talking about? Worldview. God uh, is everlasting. That's where we come from. Why do we exist? All right. If we uh, come from God and if there is an eternal God, that is our reason for existence, right? Don't we exist to worship this eternal God? What did all those songs say this morning? Worthy, worthy, worthy. That is the reason why we are to live. It's to glorify God. It's to enjoy God forever. That's where we come from. That's our purpose. Well, what happens when we die? Scripture says if we're people of faith, then we have eternal life with our eternal God. 
And so again, I know I'm uh, really focusing in on this point, but I want us to understand that this truth, that God is eternal, impacts everything that we do, and it impacts every foundational thought of our worldview. Because if God is the creator of everything, that means the universe came from him. And if the universe came from him, that means he deliberately and delightfully created you. And if God has deliberately and delightfully designed you, that means you matter a lot to God. And if you matter a lot to God, that means we have purpose. And so people of God, let us hold tight to these truths. God is eternal and it impacts every single thought that we have. Secondly, El Olam exists outside of time, yet he sees all of time. You and I are limited when it comes to time. You and I, we can't go backwards in time. We can't go forward in time. We can't see into the future. You and I are incredibly limited when it comes to time. But our God is not. And in order to illustrate this, I want uh, to again use this rope. I want you to imagine that God is looking down on all of time as I am looking down upon this rope. Think that in our reality, God is looking down on time from this lofty height. And if that is true, that means that God can see the past, he can see the present, and he can see the future. Even when we can't, God can see our yesterdays as we see the present. And God can see our tomorrows as we see the present. Our God is not limited in time. And when Bob was talking last week about God's omniscience, I think part of that has to go with this, right? God can see past, present, and future. He isn't limited by time. So let's go ask that question again. Why does this matter? How does this truth affect our life? And when I was thinking about the impact of this reality about Elohim, I thought the simple truth that God can see past, present, and future, it should bring us a lot of comfort. That's a word that really stood out to me. Comfort. We can have peace. We can have comfort because God can see past, present, and future. Now, I think one of the reasons uh, why we are often filled with anxiety or fear or uh, depression or a lot of times we're stuck in despair, it's because our lives are really hard right now and we can't see what tomorrow brings. So for example, you might be saying, I'm in the middle of this incredibly frustrating relationship and I don't see a solution. You might be saying, I am in the middle of this really, really annoying job, yet I don't see a way out. I can't see what tomorrow brings. I'm stuck here. Maybe for you, you're saying, I am in the middle of this health crisis, but I don't see a solution to it. I can't see tomorrow. And again, the bad news is, you and I are limited by our time. We can't see tomorrow. 
But El Olam can. And that can bring us so much comfort, can it? In your anxiety, he sees you in the anxiety, but he also sees what's coming. He sees what's coming. That should give us comfort. In your despair, find comfort in the fact that our God can see you in your despair. Emmanuel, God is with you in despair, but he can also see what's coming. In your fear, God is with you in your fear, but he can also see what's coming. Our everlasting God can see past, present, and future, and that should give us so much hope. It should give us so much comfort because even though you can't see the future, Revelation 21 and 22 tells us what's coming, and it's a glorious ending. So I guess my encouragement to you would be, if you are full of anxiety, if you're full of despair, if you are full of fear today, take heart because El Olam sees you now and he sees that solution coming through Jesus. Third point, El Olam has an eternal perspective. So as a result of El Olam being outside of time, he has an eternal perspective on things. Now that phrase eternal perspective, it's kind of a a weird phrase, but what I mean by this is that God sees the whole picture. So as I just said, God sees the hardship and the difficulty of life in the present, but he also knows that one day he is going to send his son Jesus Christ back to earth to make all things right. And he is going to judge evil and all who do evil. And scripture tells us all of those who do not give faith to Jesus Christ are eternally separated from God. Eternal punishment, eternal death. But when Jesus brings judgment for all those who do give faith to Jesus Christ, everlasting life for all eternity. And so again, when I'm saying God has an eternal perspective, he sees the big picture. He sees life in the yellow, but he also sees an eternity that is coming. So, I think that is a big deal. What difference does this make in our life? The big problem that I see with myself and many other Christians is that we are just living life so focused on the yellow. Our eyes are so fixated in the yellow. Our noses are touching the yellow. We are so fixated on this life. Like, oh, how many points per game can I score? And we're so fixated on growing our net wealth and being comfortable. What am I going to do Friday? What am I going to do with my friends? Uh, Where's vacation next year? Like, we're so fixated on this life. And it's kind of understandable why that is the case. It's because we're creatures. We live on earth. We live in time. It makes sense that we are fixated on this life and on this earth. And that's not sinful. But I think it becomes sinful when we are so fixated on this life that we lose our own eternal perspective. I think what I'm trying to say is 
we have a really big imbalance when it comes to um, our eternal perspective. I feel like most Christians in this room, we are dedicated like 99% of our lives to living in the yellow. Again, we're focused, we're like horses with blinders on, just focusing here. And because we're Christians, we kind of have like a 1%, a little token focus, like, hey, life is hard, but I guess I have eternal life. But what I'm saying is, like, if you look at this rope and there's no end to that other end of the rope and it just goes on for an eternity of eternities, then shouldn't we be, like, mildly focused about life on earth and really living like we have an eternity ahead of us? So I think we have a little bit of an imbalance. And I want to encourage you today, let's stop being like this and maybe... Let's start living like this. Let's strive to have that eternal perspective. I think the very day that Jesus returns, the things that dominated our lives will matter very little. I think if Jesus came right now, we might be saying, shoot, I wish I wasn't so only focused on the things here on this earth and with things in my life. So I'm challenging us all, let us step back, let us have an eternal perspective. You know, as I was thinking this, it's one thing again to say, let's live with an eternal perspective. What does that actually look like? And one thing I was thinking about, if you're suffering here today, mentally, physically, emotionally, in any way, if you're suffering, I think having an eternal mindset, eternal perspective changes the way we suffer. Because yes, we acknowledge this life is so hard. And you can be in despair about that. You can lament about that. But when we have an eternal perspective, we're also filled with hope. Because we know Jesus is coming soon. So you can suffer with hope. You can suffer with a deep-seated joy. You can suffer with faith. Parents, what does it look like for you to live with an eternal perspective? If you lived with an eternal perspective, I would say there would be nothing that takes a bigger priority than the discipleship of your children. In the very moment that your children seem to start slowly fading away from the faith, right? With an eternal perspective, we got to shove them back. We got to keep pointing them to Jesus. We got to keep pointing out the faith. We need to keep praying urgently for our children. Young adults, if you're young here, I think having an eternal perspective changes the way that you live life. You have your whole life ahead of you, Lord willing, but if you lived with an eternal perspective, doesn't it make sense to forsake your own dreams to pursue God's dreams? If you're a Christian here today and you're feeling a little apathetic, if you're just kind of floating through the Christian life, if you lived with an eternal perspective, wouldn't that change the way that you live? You wouldn't just float through the mundane life, but you might get discipline. You might put some effort into your faith because judgment day is coming. If you're a Christian, again, we've just been talking about this at youth group, reaching the unreached people groups of the world. 
people who've never heard the name of Jesus. If we lived with an eternal perspective, I think all of us, we would unite and either financially support someone to go to the unreached people groups of the nations, or we would sign up to go ourselves. Because yeah, we could live a life of comfort here, but we got a whole eternity, and we have an eternity of people who need to hear the gospel. But even if you don't go to the ends of the earth, if we as Christians live with an eternal perspective, wouldn't we view our lives as missionaries? You wouldn't be a marketer, you'd be a missionary. You wouldn't be a plumber, you'd be a missionary. I'm not saying you have to forsake your career. Let your first identity be a missionary and go do that as you do plumbing work, as you go do concrete work, as you're a business person. Our very first identity is missionaries. That is who we are. We need to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And if we live with a limited perspective, it's so easy to show up to work, punch the clock, nine to five, like I just show up to make money to pay my bills. But I think the primary uh, reason we should go to work is not to make money, but it's to make disciples. So people of God, would you join me? And I am so guilty of this too. Let's stop being so focused on our lives now we can't stop it entirely, but let us grow in our eternal perspective. El Olam has an eternal perspective, and so should we. And lastly, friends, I saved the best for last. This is the best news in the world. El Olam stepped into time as Jesus Christ to give us the gift of eternal life. Philippians 2 tells us that Jesus eternally existed with God in glory. Eternity past. Never ceased to exist. Jesus Christ existed in glory, but Philippians 2 tells us that he humbled himself, he emptied himself, and became human. He stepped into time. And while he lived his life on earth... Jesus lived a perfect life, a sinless life. And even despite that, he chose to die. And this is what Jesus tells us. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was with his disciples, he was with those he loved. And he took a loaf of bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it. And he looked at his disciples and said, this is my body that is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after dinner, Jesus took a cup. And he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus that night, he broke bread because the very next day he would break his body on the cross. And that night, Jesus drank from the cup because the very next day the earth would be drinking his blood that was shed on the cross. 
And friends, let's ask the question, why would Jesus do this? Why would Jesus, who has eternally existed in glory, humble himself, come live a very hard 33 years on this earth? And why would he physically die on a cross? But the worst part is, not only did he die on the cross, God the Father poured out his wrath for all of our sin upon Jesus. Why would Jesus do that? It's to give you and I and all people the gift of eternal life. And the good news this morning is that the scriptures tell us if you repent, that is, turn from your sin and trust in Jesus Christ, you too can have eternal life. And so people of God, would you be amazed at God's incredible grace? Would you, if you're not a follower of Jesus today, repent of your sin and trust in Jesus Christ through faith? You know, I don't know, when you guys were singing today, it just got me really thinking because, like, eternity is forever. Like, Jesus did a finite thing that makes an infinite, an eternal difference. And as you guys were singing, I was just thinking, what a glorious thing. We're going to be with our eternal God for all of eternity. Amen. And that is an incredible, incredible thought. And so today we're going to end our message here today by taking communion. If you are a person of faith, you're welcome to come here to the table uh, to take communion. We're going to have our elders serve you, make big family style, gather around the tables. And uh, once you take communion, then you can head back to your seat. But if you need gluten-free, we have gluten-free bread right here at this table and only this table. Uh, so if you need a gluten-free option, come here. And uh, if you are physically unable to come forward for communion, would you raise your hand? And we're going to have a roamer, uh, and the roamer's elements are right over there. Um, and they will come give you communion. So... Uh, if you need that, just raise your hand when we're taking communion and we can make that happen. But friends, as we take communion, we always come remembering. And that is so important. But also today, we have something to celebrate. So let's not come to the table in despair. Let's come reverently, but let's come celebrating because our eternal life has stepped excuse me, our eternal God has stepped into time to give us the gift of eternal life. So, Heavenly Father, we come before you today, not in despair, but God, we're full of joy because you made the ultimate sacrifice of giving your life for us so that we might have life, so that we might live forever on the new heaven and the new earth with you. And so, Father, we give our allegiance to you today. We forsake our old ways of living and we want to trust in you and follow you. We want to surrender our lives to you. Father God, as we prepare our hearts for communion, we also want to just take a minute and confess our sin to you. You are holy. You are set apart. But God, there are times in our lives when we are not. We are utterly dependent upon your grace, your mercy for our salvation. 
So God, have mercy on us. And we invite you to transform us as we have fellowship with you and as we have fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ this morning. God, you are so good. You are so worthy. And right now, God, we remember and we celebrate. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, amen.